Metro revealed their preferred option of connecting the North Hollywood station to CSUN for the North Valley bus rapid transit and complete game changer for that part of the valley. This little bike race in France called Tour de France. Um, What's that? Apparently it's been going around since I guess medieval times okay. from what people tell me. I'm going to predict right now that Egan Brunel is going to win. I might go with Quintana. It's going to be probably one of the most interesting ones. Interesting stuff in there. Yeah. Gravel bikes have just kind of exploded. It's mm-hmm. a true hybrid. It's more than that because it's kind of all-encompassing. This is like probably the most economical podcast I've ever done. And probably the most I've ever sweat over a podcast too. Hello, and welcome to this week's installment of Bike Talk. I'm Zachary Rhino. Some people call me Secret Valley. It's not my born name. You can follow me on Secret Valley on Twitter, secretvalley.org. Uh, and I'm hosting Bike Talk this week. Before I introduce my co host for tonight, I want to quickly tell you we'll be talking a lot about a lot of transportation news that is happening here in the valley most people don't know that bike talk is actually uh, recorded in the valley if anyone's gonna know valley bike news or transit news or valley eateries i'm your guy once again i'm bringing back victor boyce as our co-host for tonight's episode hello victor hello zachary how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? Good. Doing well. I've got new tires on my bike. Yes, you do. Super eager to see how that feels. Should be great. I'm a terrible descender. I'm hoping that you these tires... Are. <laughs> 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 Did I say that out loud? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. You can follow Vic on Instagram. He's on Bike Obsession. He really understands the power of selfies. So They call me the selfie king, but <laughs> I didn't say that. I don't... It's not self-proclaimed. We're just going to like throw ourselves right in there because there's a lot of stuff happening. You know, we passed uh, Measure M in 2016 with a bunch of projects and the Valley had kind of not been getting our fair share before. So we have a lot of projects that are coming here. They're starting to fall into motion, some in different stages, but the... East San Fernando Transit Corridor is moving quite a bit along. There's a lot of different options between buses, but going to be ultimately light rail that goes up Van Nuys Boulevard into Pacoimas in San Fernando, Mm. um, which is going to be one of the first projects that's really going to help transform the valley on top of this whole plan they have to speed up the Orange Line. Mm -hmm. One of the issues that's been raised so far about this is that with the light rail line going in that they will not be able to have bike lanes in there and Mm. you don't have to have a bike to obviously use transit but it is going to be a pretty efficient means of being able to use it and they've had a few open houses uh, a couple weeks ago to basically have people connect off of like a lot of the side streets, the residential. And you live in one of the residential neighborhoods right nearby. I do. What's your take of just even you right now trying to access like Van Nuys Boulevard? Well, first of all, Van Nuys Boulevard is covered with car dealers. So in addition to just normal traffic, you have car purchasing traffic and test drives and trucks loading and unloading new cars in the middle of Van Nuys Boulevard constantly. So if you put a light rail there, if you don't have a bike lane for people to ride their bikes to the light rail, you need more parking. Parking is already at a premium. There's, there's no place to park. So I don't know how that's going to work with parking. I know around the existing station, there's lots that you can park. But if it's going to increase ridership significantly, you would need a lot more parking, I would assume. Well, I think the hope is 
that there'll be enough outlets for people to get on the line outside of there and hopefully we have like enhanced bus service but maybe it's also important to bring up like a lot of the other projects that are coming online as well also last week metro revealed their preferred option of connecting the north hollywood station to csun for the North Valley bus rapid transit. And it kind of wiggles its way east-west with Reseda being the main street east of the 405 mm. and Nordoff going through there on the west side, which we've really needed a connection to CSUN. And I've I've been there and like it's a campus that is over the years have just been made to serve driving. Uh, it's really hard to get to from the Metrolink. Mm-hmm. Bus service isn't that fantastic. So having like a dedicated bus lane that takes you there is like a complete game changer for, for that part of the valley. There was some really sharp opposition when the news came out. We don't know how big the group is. We've seen a lot of times, whether it's transportation, housing, that there's a small but vocal segment that catches the attention of politicians. What's their issue with the line? uh, They're afraid that it's going to send a lot of traffic into the side streets. They're afraid that the transit corridor will now assume larger buildings, like Mm. there's apartment complexes. A lot of fear-mongering for that area. But, you know, a lot of the politicians who serve the area in 2016 were really behind this project because it's been a really necessary connection that this part of the valley has not had maybe the residents just need better facts and it's just going off assumptions and hearsay kind of like the homeless thing yeah i mean i'm not gonna <laughs> i think part of it is you know it's important like in any case like this if we spend a lot of resources trying to get this measure passed right a lot of community groups were involved and we you know had seen all the benefits like the outreach of reaching the people that will use the line the people that do benefit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i grew up with like a bad feeling about buses here in the valley growing up because it was hard to tell when they were coming you had to go to the library to figure out what the map was um (laughs) and you know it was a lot of uncertainty for someone too lazy to get a library card right but now that we have everything on our phones right you know my fear of like getting on a bus i think i'm like a lot of people you kind of like want to have like some idea of how long it's going to take i'm willing to suspend like knowing exactly what time i need to get there because definitely not having the stress of having to drive is a big bonus mm-hmm. um being able just to sit there but i know you watch top gear I you, used, yeah. you don't have to see every episode no, no. <laughs> but like you know, they always have those episodes where they have they'll race a boat against a car against a bike yeah so yep. we did a similar thing where uh, my wife had a dinner over at the magianos there uh-huh. in woodland hills i biked somebody took the bus and my wife drove in rush hour Mm-hmm. And I got to Maggiano's seeing the guy who took the bus just walking in. Mm. My wife came 20 minutes later. Mm-hmm. And this is just the orange line as it is now. You know, they've got a number of improvements that I think is going to improve getting 
from end to end, from North Hollywood to Chatsworth, like from 52 minutes to like 36 minutes. Right. Which, how do you get across the valley like in rush hour that quickly? And also, I've been using the Silver Line, which goes from El Monte, which is not in the valley. No. <laughs> to downtown, to the South Bay. Um, and I've taken like both legs out of downtown. And I'm just amazed how quickly it gets you across even how, how does it? Because it's in the same traffic as the car. Well, it uses the carpool lanes. And it's a big difference being able to use the carpool lanes. And there's some dedicated mm. bus lanes along the way as well. It was funny. There was an event a couple months ago when Bike SGV was having their big party announcement turning into Active SGV that I was going to. And I had a choice between taking Metrolink, which I love, versus the bus. Metrolink is more expensive. But actually, for that leg of downtown LA to El Monte, the bus is actually faster. Mm. Because Metrolink in that section, I think when you and I rode it, it has like single track, which makes it really slow. The bus was... And But the reason why I took Metrolink was, like, I knew that there would be space for my bike on there. Right, right. If you go on to the buses, that's kind of, like, the biggest problem if you're a cyclist is a lot of the buses, you can only put two bikes in the front. Right. Um, some of these Metro, you can put three on, um, unless you've got a foldable. Um, but, foldable you can bring on the bus. Yes, although not all the bus drivers know that. Mm. Um which is something my, my wife has had to put up with. Oh, wow. Um, but even like right now, you know, my wife takes a red line to the blue line to get to work um, near the um, Rosa Parks station. And because all this work that's going on, she's now been taking the silver line to the green line. And it only takes her four or five minutes fat, like longer, mm. which is you know, nominal. And she can definitely get home faster um, using that combination than driving. Mm. So I, I think, like, if it's done properly, um, like, it's a great asset to the community. And uh, uh, I, I hope that Metro sticks with it mm -hmm. um, because, you know, with all these other projects coming online... Um, and I haven't even mentioned the West Side to Valley subway, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, I, I just I, even like some of their projections of going, I, I just can't figure out how like you can get from Panorama City to the Expo line in 15 minutes. And it was funny because like, I was like, how do they do that? Because um, the downtown... The uh, North Hollywood subway mm -hmm. to downtown actually covers about the same distance, but it takes about 30 minutes. Yes, 30 minutes. But it has far more stops. Right. So, right. yeah, just, you know, getting over the hill. And I know getting over to UCLA. It's a nightmare. Yeah. I. <laughs> it's a nightmare. I could run there. Yeah. I'm literally, because <laughs> I did, it, did do it when mm -hmm. I moved this far. I could run there faster than driving. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Another topic, I went to San Fernando Valley Coalition of Governments 
uh, had a mobility workshop, mm-hmm. and they had the newly minted CEO of Metrolink, Stephanie Wiggins, who came from Metro. And I was like super encouraged by her talk. She was saying like, you know, we need to focus on the customer experience. You know, there's a bunch of grants coming that's going to expand the service, mm-hmm. cut down on some of those issues that I'm talking about. I think Metrolink is one of the most underrated services we have here i was shocked at how nice it was the metrolink so i had never been on it i don't know what i expected like new york subway (laughs) scrawled yuck but it was it was really nice just at a point here so it was a month ago it was only a month ago um the tour california was here Mm -hmm. we took the gold line out to azusa spent the day there saw the tour pass a couple times and then we headed down straight to the, I want to say, Rialto station. Don't forget, we did all this on our bikes. Yes. We took our bikes. Yes, no That's cars. No cars. This was Vic's first time on the subway, as well as our friend Brian. Um, our two other friends wanted to get down the hill faster and ended up getting lost. They got lost. <laughs> and they ended <laughs> up... They missed the train. <laughs> they had to find the gold line themselves. Good for them. Yeah. But, yeah, tell me, like, your first impressions of the line. It's clean, it's fast, there's plenty of room for the bike. I was shocked, like I said, of how much I enjoyed it because I didn't expect to. I thought, oh God, we gotta get on a train, it's gonna be terrible, but it was not. The best part about it, well, we were very fortunate that was bike week. So if you had a bike on the line, it was free. You know, rates oh, can I go. About that part, yeah. yeah that, that was good. <laughs> I mean, it, it can definitely, you know, it's definitely a lot more expensive than the 175 going on Metro. Well, I how think, much is it? If we had to pay for the bike. The bikes don't add on any fee, but I think going from... It's basically based on distance. And I don't know how much that would have normally cost, but I think, like, for example, going from downtown to Northridge, I think, is about eight fifty. Oh, yeah. That's a big difference. Which is worth it, if considering, like, how much it would cost to drive, how long it would take to drive from Northridge to downtown and LA. especially if you have to pay to park and all that stuff. But on the weekends, like, you can get a... I think it's a one, it used to be all weekend, but now I think it's a one day pass where it's like $10 for the whole day, mm-hmm. which includes, which is a great bike idea, is biking from downtown to Oceanside. Because Metrolink goes all the way down to Oceanside. And for $10, you get to go back. But what's the problem with biking to Oceanside now, though? We kind of go around the Army base, onto the I 5. Yeah, that wasn't fun. No, it was actually better than I thought because... Well, like, it wasn't that long, but it was I, a short distance of terror <laughs> on the freeway. I, I just pictured ourselves like just cutting in between cars like Tron. And no. um, so like I think like if you're trying to get through that stretch because I think it's been about a year that they've cut down easy passage through Camp Pendleton. But we just need to get the... Uh... The passes earlier, like we missed a cutoff or something like that. Like, what happened? Well, now in order to bike through there, you have to go all the way down there, like a month in advance, mm. to get like this year-long pass, maybe. Oh. And yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna spend a day. No, no. Um, doing that. No. And there's a ton of other army bases throughout the state that won't hassle you. Mm. Um. So, uh. I'm pretty excited for Stephanie Wiggins taking over Metrolink. 
I'm really looking forward to it. You know, cool. They want to push a lot of projects before the Olympics. Because Olympics are taking place like... It's got a large footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually having events in the Valley this year too. Mm-hmm. That This Olymp- Olympics too. But the more people know about, about the line, the more they are impressed. Right. Another small thing, and actually we're going to talk a little about... <laughs> uh, <laughs> the San Fernando Road bike path. Apparently, if anyone's ever ridden it before, it's about a five-mile stretch in northeast San Fernando Valley that kind of connects Silmar through San Fernando to Pacoima, um, which, you know, runs along San Fernando Road right next to the rail, uh, rail lines, which is a really nice bike path that most people don't know about. And apparently, like, now they're just basically, I think the project's out for bid to stretch out to Burbank border, and I think Burbank is plans of also adding it because they've got this I five expansion. Um, so you and, think all around continuing on San Fernando into Burbank. Yeah, yeah, okay. you know that would be like about eleven miles, and it, it's that would be cool. Yeah, I mean, great. people don't. It's funny, like when you look at the valley and like you see people that follow them on Strava, like they do a ride around the rim of the valley, and they're like four hours, you're like. Is it the valley really that big? And yeah, like eleven miles is only covers like a half part about it. Mm-hmm. But getting out to that part of the valley has always been really problematic if you're trying to get out on by a bike. Part of it is because these competing you know grid systems doesn't make like a one straight shot through there. You have to navigate, wiggle your way through there. Right. Um, right. But they're just. Kind of like the problem everywhere else in Los Angeles, there is not a great you know network to get out there. Plus, most of the streets have no bike lanes, so yeah. well or they, or they end abruptly. One of the ways you know that I, when I'm going out to the like Latuna or to Little Tahunga, I take Lan- Lancashire most of the way up, but then Lancashire turns into Tuxford, right, which has a bike lane, right. It reminds me of that scene of Pulp Fiction where they crush the car. They drop the car off in one of those car dealerships. Because I'm pretty right. sure it was filmed around there somewhere. Yes. You know, that lane there, it's always so dirty. Right. I can't remember the last... I, the only thing that's going to clean it is rain. Right. Which we had a lot of this last year. When you try and get out to that part of the valley, how do you go? I've done that sweet salt ride a few times. We go up... Um... I can't think of the name of the street, but it's it's where they have the big towers, the power lines, and they kind kind of cut across. I want to say Calvert. I'm not sure. We do a lot of zigs and zags. We end up on on San Fernando, and then we end up on uh, we go across the dam. There's a bike path that goes across the dam, which is nice, but it's short. And then we cut back over to. Is it Foothill? Yes. And then go up, go up Little T. Yeah. Or, or, or to the other one to Cagle Canyon, which is which is great. The Northeast Valley is one of my favorite parts of the whole city. I get twisted around up there because I don't go enough, but I can get my way to uh, Little T. But if I make a left instead of a right, or I try to do a shortcut, then I'm twisted around. <laughs> I get lost up there. A little T is one of my favorite rides. Little T is one of my favorite rides, too. When, um, when I'm on Little T, I know where I am. I go to Camp 9, or keep going over to the 14, come back. That's a great ride. And there's barely ever any traffic there's on no it. no one on it. Once you pass the ranches at the bottom, 
I find it's the gun range. Once you get past the gun range, the gun range yeah. it's pretty popular. And then after that, it really slows down. And then, yeah, you just have the random person out there that just... You see more cyclists once you get past that yeah. part than you do see people driving. Yeah. And people hiking. And, um, yeah, Tour of California went through there two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we went up there. Got a good spot. That was a great... That was before the fires, and right after it came through, then everything burned up, and it was like, yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, that was amazing. That was like about a month or so after. It was almost right after. Wow. Yeah. If, and that place is it's recovered really quickly. It has. Which it is has. Amazing. It looks almost great again. It's green. There's some construction down there. People trying to rebuild. They filmed one of those. Uh, I don't know if you noticed there that super. Um, not Ninja Warrior, but like uh, one of those crazy, oh. the set looks like a giant metal dragon and spits flame and you have to run through it and everything. And so that's in there too. And when you're riding by, you hmm. can see that it's crazy looking. After the bridge, when you when you start descending down, it's past the Wildlife Way Station, I think. Huh, okay. I think I might be twisting around, but it's in there. There's a set from one of those shows. Hmm. And you're riding by like, what the heck is that? It looks crazy. It's huge. It's interesting stuff in there. Yeah. I would say like that was like my first like getaway experience in the San Gabriel Mountains. Yes. And it's close. Yeah. It's it's a cool ride. I know I never added it to. It's one of my favorite rides. When I did my essential rides, I didn't put it on the list because not too many people know about it. Um, But if you don't put it on the list, how are they going to find out? No. That's your job. I can't make things essential. (laughs) (laughs) okay they just are okay all right so we have some time to talk a lot more about just pure bike things and i want to get into something and it's kind of funny like about a year and a half ago just for kicks i just decided to start this facebook group gravel bike california and i didn't do much stuff to it but then i kind of looked and like people were just jumping onto this group Mm -hmm. gravel biking like you know, we everything, there's trends all over the place. Mm-hmm. Pinkberry used to be big. Pinkberry was huge, and then where is it now? Yeah, I still see them. <laughs> Which... There's just the one on, Vin, on Ventura and Laurel. I, I've never seen another one besides that. Yeah, I, I don't know how... They had one flavor. How do you survive off one? I think they added a second flavor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, they've got vanilla and the other flavor is called other flavors. Yeah, other flavors. <laughs> Gravel bikes have just kind of exploded. Mm-hmm. You know, for people that are maybe new to it, you know, gravel bikes are, you know, drop bar road bikes that allow wider tires. Mm-hmm. You can put racks on them. Uh, it's a little bit more of a relaxed geometry. Mm-hmm. It's a true hybrid of like road and mountain biking. Don't say hybrid. That's a bad connotation. I uh, I said true. It is a hybrid of a road bike and a mountain bike, but it's it's more than that because it's it's kind of all encompassing. There's no place where it's the wrong bike. Unlike a mountain bike on the road is not that great, or a road bike on really technical single track is horrible. But but a, a, a good gravel bike. You could take pretty much anywhere. I've seen guys jump them and do <laughs> tricks on them, and you know, and then you could pack it up with bags and go bike packing. I mean, 
they're really probably the most versatile bike ever, like modern bike, I think. I'm trying to figure out why now. Is it because technology in materials and everything of bikes have improved so much that you can have a wider tire on your bike? It can be a little bit heavier, but you're just not losing out on performance. You know what? It kind of started for me with a cyclocross bike, which is almost the same thing. But a cyclocross bike will typically have a higher bottom bracket, which makes the handling a little different. And the gearing is usually not good for road. It's good for explosive, quick burst of speed in a tight situation. So I, I liked riding the gravel bike on the road, sort of, but the gearing and it just wasn't quite right. And the first time I rode a so-called gravel bike with more road, a little bit more road style gearing. And like you said, I'm, slightly different geometry i loved it and then when i took it off road i really loved it because it was way more competent than i expected like for fire roads for example it's just fast and smooth and inspires confidence and i, I just love it if i can only have one bike it would definitely be a gravel bike as opposed to like a, a super bike or a super mountain bike if i but luckily i don't have to make that choice <laughs> if I were stuck with just one kind of bike, for sure it would be my, my Niner or something like that. Cause yeah. It's just, it's just fun everywhere. I think that's what it is for me anyway. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I know, like, with my bike, part of the reason, like, why I got, like, a gravel bike was I had... I bought a cross bike because getting around Los Angeles on the thinner tires of a road bike, hitting the potholes everywhere... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm was uh really problematic mm -hmm. and i was like well i want something with thicker tires so all i knew back then was a cross bike That's and gravel bikes mm -hmm. had not moved on to where they are now no nope and um but then i was like well i went to i did a bike race and my road bike was f the night before and i just i couldn't like really ride that bike and i was like you know if I, if I had a gravel bike that, you know, I, I could use that for a road race or just for almost anything just in case. And, you know, um, Vic and I are not sponsored by Niner. We no. really wish, but we <laughs> will take any sponsorship. I work for Niner, but I don't. <laughs> um, Hire we, me, Niner. We both ended up the, with the same bike uh, or same frame. Um, and yeah, I, it's just, it's, it does so many things well. And I know that there's a lot of great bikes out yes. there too. Yeah. Bill's got a so great exciting. bike that opens great. I've seen that, uh, 3T Exploro looks awesome. There's lots of great bikes and you don't have to spend a lot of money on one. Like we have the carbon Niners, but they make a steel version that's less. And it's, I know a guy that's got that, um, this guy, Mark, and he loves it. And, um. I don't know. It's just, like I said, it's fun everywhere. That style of bike. And the Niner in particular is, it's amazing. I've had yeah. no issues. I just love it. And I can throw a rack on there. Like the, the, racks the um, and yeah, we don't have like the current version of the Niner. And I know that they've improved it, but like, yeah, they've just, the eyelets they have on the fork. Yep. So thoughtful, like yep. and like sometimes I go a long route. I just put extra water bottle. When cages we did the ridge there. route. You have bottles on the fork, which I I'd actually never seen anybody do that. That was great because we had no place to stop for water. Yeah, you had four water bottles on one bike. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. 
we have a few minutes left. And the last thing I want to touch upon is this little bike race in France called Tour de France. Um, What's that? Um, apparently, it's been going around since, I guess, medieval times. Okay. From what people tell me. <laughs> a lot of people tend to watch it. Uh, I'll be watching it. I know it starts on the 6th. Which is my birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy early birthday. My wife's birthday is on the 5th, so. Wow. I don't know if we'll get to mine. Nah, yours doesn't count if hers is the day before. This is going to be probably a, one of the most exciting ones because uh, Chris Froome, who has won a whole bunch, um, who out. actually seeded you know, to his teammate last year, mm-hmm. he's out. Um, his teammate, Garon Thomas, had won it the year before. He got into a crash, and we he's don't know hurt. what his form is. Um, the team might be a little off there. The other thing someone was bringing up, too, is, you know, there's, a, I think it's about like six or seven mountaintop finish, finishes. But the big thing is there's only one individual time trial. Mm. And that was like something that Froome did really well mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. I think Thomas did well. And the other, there's a second time trial, but it's a team time trial. Which oh, they're going to do a team I time love trial. team time trial. I trials. do too. I thought they were going to cut that out. They, they cut do it, out it the Juro. every once in a while. And I, I love it because... Regular time trials are boring because you so have no boring. idea what they're doing. It's so boring, but the team time trial is pretty to watch. It's just awesome to watch. Though. My favorite part is like I just don't like. I like to see who's doing the work. Are they leaving somebody out to dry at the front? And I, I love seeing like what the dynamics Isn't are. Isn't it weird when they drop their own teammate? Like some guys just can't hang, and they get dropped. But you have to finish with four, I think. Uh, it maybe more like in the tour. Maybe like five. To get the time. So basically, this is going to leave it a lot to the climbers. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of contenders out there. Fuglesong apparently is one of the other favorites because he's been having a great year so far. But mm-hmm. we've never seen it as well on the Grand Tour stage. I'm going to predict right now that Egan Brunel is going to win. I think a lot of people are pointing to there. And right now, he is... His form is incredible. Uh, he's an amazing racer. Um, and he looked great um, last year. Uh, but it'll be a little bit different with not as much of support. Um, Did you watch the Tour de Suisse? I, look, he's an amazing racer. He is amazing. His form is on top. And he doesn't have to worry about Froome. Maybe Thomas. If Thomas comes back, he'll have to work for Thomas. But if Thomas is not good, he's going to be the leader in... He's got good support. I and that, that kid is amazing. I might go with Quintana. Quintana's been looking a little bit better this year. Like I said, the time trial not he, being there he, is going to help him out. He hasn't been doing well. He's like he hasn't lived up to his. He hasn't, but he's been looking a little bit better the last month, and he's got a really strong team. Um, he does. And I, I think the problem with um, Bernal is. You, his job is to get Thomas to win the race. It is, and there's going to be times where he'll have to. They'll have to choose. Is he but going with, to go back Thomas, and get Thomas? Thomas? Probably he's probably not going to be in top form. You know, Enios X Sky. They're going to want to win, whether it be with Thomas or Brunel. I mean, they're not going to just have Egon working for him if Thomas can't win. But what if you only discover that halfway through the race? I don't know. And you're already down a little bit. I don't know. 
I'm not and that so like, skilled in figuring out. But I'm just saying, it's looking to me like Egon's got the form. And Thomas just got, not badly hurt, but his whole tour de Swiss is, was messed up. And that's why I think it's like it's going to be probably one of the most interesting ones. The only problem I've just always had with the Tour de France as a race is just like a lot of teams go there just trying not to lose. Yes. They don't try and go out and win. And yes. I feel like the Vuelta... Because like that's like their second chance to win a brand tour. That's when they really like pull it all out. But like I feel with the tour, people are holding back a little bit and hoping for bad things to happen, which has happened mm-hmm. in the tour. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make for good viewership. No. So I'm hoping that you know a lot of these teams, even you know EF Education has Iran. They've got mm-hmm. Woods mm-hmm. and even TJ. I can't believe I'm saying his name. He uh, finished second he at finished, the Dauphiné, or at, yeah, second at the, the Swiss. Dauphiné. Yeah, yeah. So like, they've got like a few people out there, and like I said, like you could find one of those three guys in a breakaway that gets like a really big lead on time, and that could totally change the dynamic of the race. And I think that there are a few teams that can press it like that, but hopefully we'll see some racing. I think we will. I think we will. I enjoy it every year, no matter what. It's just a spectacle. Yeah, I just got to get up early. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's going to wrap it. I think we got through a lot of stuff. This is like probably the most economical podcast I've ever done. And probably the most I've ever sweat over a podcast, too, because <laughs> I decided to turn on a light a few minutes in. Hey. And I'm glistening. I'm just trying to describe to people over the <laughs> airwaves as best as I can. Get once, some fans. once again, this is Zachary Rhino from Secla Valley. And I'm here with Victor Boyce. Bike Obsession, check it out. Thanks very much for another cool week of Bike Talk. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 